Welcome, Valley family. This is the conclusion of our series, three-part series that we've been in uh, called Hashtag Me Too. And uh, next week, we'll be starting a brand new series called Uncommon about relationships. And I hope you'll, you'll join us for that. I want to give a big shout out to our Poughkeepsie uh, Valley families meeting at Regal Cinemas and all those that are joining us online, literally hundreds and hundreds of people every single week joining us on our Valley online campus. Uh, just a shout out to you. We love and appreciate all of you uh, so much. And, and like I said, we're concluding this series. We've been in week number three now, and we've been talking about uh, sexual violence, sexual harassment, and sexual abuse, uh, but kind of pivoting a little bit with something closely akin to it that I wanted to cover as well in this series, and that's, that's domestic violence. So uh, we're calling this, this message Home Alone, because that's really what it feels like for those that have uh, suffered uh, domestic violence, physical violence. And this was really just brought home to me uh, recently, just yesterday, uh, in terms of just how, how violent our culture has become so prevalent. Uh, just yesterday, one of my buddies, one of, really my best friend from high school, we were captains of the football team there at John Jay together, and uh, he reached out to me. Um, he lives in Florida now. In fact, he lives in Parkland, Florida. And uh, he reached out to me just to ask for prayer. His his daughter is a sophomore at the high school where the tragic shooting was uh, just last week and said that she literally heard the guns, the, the shots fired, uh, hid under a desk until SWAT team came and rescued her. I, I just can't even imagine. And, uh, you know, it really, really came home. It was brought home real close to me when he reached out like that. And, and I asked him how he's doing. He, he, he just asked me if I'd pray. And uh, he, he said, literally, he said, we're living day to day, and we're healing very slowly. And, and that's the reality of anyone who's suffered any kind of violence, uh, be it sexual violence or domestic violence, as we're going to talk about. Uh, I think that school shooting was just four minutes, the whole, the whole actual event. But, but I dare say uh, my buddy's daughter... That four minutes is going to be relived over and over and over throughout her life. And so I, I really appreciate him. I invite you to pray as well as you probably have been about that whole situation. But uh, this doesn't, violence, like, it just doesn't go away overnight. It's a process. And, and the Bible has a lot to say about that process of healing. And, and so uh, just, just kind of framing the, the discussion, the time together, uh, let me give you some statistics about domestic violence, which are pretty shocking uh, I, I was stunned at some of this that I discovered. The lead, leading cause of injury to women around the world is domestic violence in the home. The leading cause of injury to, to women, females around the world, is domestic violence. And here's the thing. More than the next three causes of injury combined, accidents, muggings, and rape, more than all three of those combined, domestic violence is the leading cause of injury for women. Every nine seconds in the United States of America, a woman is assaulted or beaten. Every nine seconds. Nine seconds. Globally, one in three women have been beaten, coerced into sex, or abused in her lifetime. One out of every three women in their lifetime. One in five teenage girls have been in a relationship where the boyfriend threatened violence or to harm himself if they broke up, which, which is obvious. It's a form of abuse. If you break up with me, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to harm myself. That, that is abuse as well. 
the threats. And then this is, and it's not just a a man-to-woman crime. In fact, pretty interesting, a few years ago, the University of New Hampshire did a study of 32 nations around the world, and they discovered that women now commit one half of all partner violence. Women do. And I've, I've had to help some men that were actually being physically abused by their spouse, by their wife. America, listen, this is crazy. In the United States of America, there are three times more shelters for animals than women who are victims of domestic violence. We're more concerned about our animals that have suffered violence than the women who have suffered violence in this nation. Something's just wrong. Something's just wrong with, with, with every one of those statistics. And, and so I want to share with you during our time, we're calling this again Home Alone, because that, that's what the feeling is for someone who experiences uh, uh, abuse in the home. It, it's just like there's no one else there. There's no hope. There's no help. So I want to give you seven uh, key strategies. Again, if, if you've experienced this in your life, and, and if you have, I just want to say, I am so sorry. This is, this is not the way a home should be. This is not the way a family should function or marriage relationship should ever be. You should feel safe at home, not home alone. And, and again, the Bible is not silent on this. Uh, it's pretty interesting, and I don't want to go into all the details, but I, I was just studying physical abuse through the Bible. Like, like Sarah, Abraham's wife, the Bible says that she abused Hagar, and Hagar fled because of it. She abused Hagar. David was abused. We're going to look at that. Saul, you know, threatening to kill him. All kinds of abuse. Jesus was abused. So, so we, we've, the Bible, again, is not silent, but it's brutally practical and gives us a guide and help for daily living and even walking through some of these difficult things. So, so here's the first key, and I think you'll want to have your Valley app. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture in a hurry uh, during our time together today. Uh, I've really packed it in here, but we're going to get through it. Uh, here's the first thing that's so important. If you've experienced physical violence, uh, physical abuse, domestic violence, don't keep it a secret. Don't keep it a secret. No matter. Do not keep it a secret. And some of this is like what we've talked about in weeks past. Uh, but, but I want to just reiterate how important it is. I've heard it put this way before. I'm only as sick as my secret. I'm only as sick as my secret. And so if you're afraid to talk about it, it's dominating and it's controlling your life. And don't let an abuser do that so that the abuse stops, but it's still dominating and controlling your life, still being victimized to it. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 32. He said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so it's so incredibly important, and and he is the truth. And we need to bring it out in the light and in the truth. So don't keep it a secret. Here's the second point. It's important to name it. Name it. Name what the abuse is. Name what's going on. Uh, Abuse is often called the silent epidemic. And David spent much of his life dealing with abuse in the Bible. And I was just studying through in the book of Psalms. Psalms alone, there are over 100 passages. Think about this for a minute. There's over 100 passages in the Psalms that David wrote that expresses his anger at the abuse, at his, what he called his abusers, what he called his enemies. 
And so let's really quickly, let's go through this list. Uh, marks of, an, of emotional abuse that David names what he's going through, the description. And, and it's important, maybe, like, yep, that's me. So it's so important to name it. Not only don't keep it secret, but to name it as well. So, so first of all, aggravation. You may feel aggravation. He, he said in Psalm 102, verse 8, my enemies taunt me day after day. They mock and they curse me. So, so we have verbal abuse that's going on right there. And, and then intimidation. Intimidation. They tell lies about me and they threaten me. Again, this is all verbal abuse that David is suffering. And then denigration. Denigration. They make fun of me and they ridicule me. Psalm 22, 7. They make fun of me and they ridicule me. And then the next one is, David says, humiliation. Humiliation. I have been insulted, put to shame, and humiliated. This is David. He knew. He he experienced that kind of abuse. Humiliation. Then manipulation. Manipulation. Psalm 73, verse 8. They jeer using words to kill they bully their way with words. And you know what? That's what an abuser is just a bully. That's what it's just bullying. Bullying a, a, a spouse, bullying a, a, a child. It's bully. And so it really is manipulation, manipulating with their words. And then domination. Domination. David said in Psalm 118, verse 13, they push hard to make me fall. They just want to dominate me. They want to control me. Abusers are all into control. They want to control the relationship. They want to control the people that you're around, isolate. It's all about domination. And then defamation. David says in Psalm 31, 13, they spread rumors about me and they conspire against me. All of that is, again, seeking to isolate the victim. It's how abusers work. And then finally, condemnation. Condemnation. They mock me with the worst kind of profanity and snarl at me. Psalm 35, 16. This is just a sample. Over a hundred passages in Psalms that David wrote where he talked about his abuse. So it's important to name it. This, this is what's happening to me. And give it a name. Third thing is this. Don't minimize it. Don't minimize it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. Bible tells us, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins. And abusers will always say, I I hit you. You made me hit you. You made me slap you. See, don't be fooled by that. People that excuse their sins. If you're a victim of abuse, it's not your fault. You're not the one who did it. You're the victim. No one, no one can make someone else hit them, strike them. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. So don't minimize it, because God doesn't minimize it. Those who abuse others feel a deep sense of insecurity and powerlessness. And so they choose to abuse others, to, to, to control. Because they feel powerless, well, I'm going to control and dominate someone else. And it gives them a feeling of power when they feel powerless. Don't minimize that. God says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins. It's not your fault if you've been abused. 
Fourth thing is this. We talked about this last week. Find a safe place. Find a safe place. And let me put it this way. If you're being abused physically or sexually right now as you're listening to this, get out. Get out now. There is, there is nothing in the Bible, not in a marriage, not in any situation. There is nothing in Scripture that says just stay right where you are and let people abuse you. There, there's no Scripture at all that would, would confirm that. And if you're in a marriage where abuse is happening, uh, let me tell you, if you're being physically or you're being sexually abused in marriage, get out now. The Bible makes it really, really clear that God hates divorce, but, but there are times when there needs to be separation for a purpose. And that separation for a purpose is the purpose is reconciliation. You need to find a safe place. You need to draw a line. That's not acceptable. That, we're, that's not happening anymore. And oftentimes, I've actually encouraged people, a, a, a spouse, you need to separate for the sake of reconciliation. And through the years, Susie and I, almost 28 years now, Pastor, we've seen God do some incredible things when, when there's just a safe limit and a boundary. I'm not going to allow you to do that anymore. Separation for the sake of reconciliation. And so, find a safe place. Last week we looked at it, uh, and I want to look at it in a different translation. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 puts it this way. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's, it's my responsibility, not just as a pastor, as a Christian. It's your responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ to help those that are being abused. If we say... Uh, Sometimes we just, you know, well, this is none of my business, what's happening here. If you're a Christian, the Bible says it's your business. Make it your business. Make it your business. We can't turn our head. We can't turn the other way. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So sometimes that means come stay at our home. We'll give you a safe place for the time that there's a separation so that you can work on reconciliation and that this, this violence in your home will stop. So find a safe place, number four. Number five, don't confront an abuser alone. I do not recommend that at any time. Don't confront an abuser alone. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12, it says, by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round, uh, can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. And, and so don't ever confront an abuser one-on-one. That's a mistake. Bring someone with you. Bring two friends with you. There's protection there. By yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, you can face the worst. If you can find a third, man, man, now you really got something there. A three-standed rope isn't easily snapped. And so don't ever confront an abuser by yourself. And, and, and there are times you need to have a group intervention. And the whole idea of group intervention is so important uh, that, that when someone's being confronted with, with their abuse, uh, with, with uh, the way that they're, act, they're out of control, they're putting their hands in an inappropriate way uh, in, in hurting and causing pain and violence, group intervention, the motivation is always that it should be in truth, that it should be in love, and the whole idea is to turn the light on and to bring that person back to a place of health and reconciliation. That's always should be the motivation. And so group intervention. It's an important part, but don't ever do it alone. It's a group. Three-stranded cord. By yourself, you're unprotected. But it's three-stranded cord. 
That's not easily snapped. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible puts it this way. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. We looked at verse 11 in week number one of this series. Let's go a little bit further. We're called to expose these works, uh, worthless deeds of darkness and, and abuse, physical, emotional, uh, sexual. These are, we're called to expose these things, not to cover them up, not to push them under the carpet. That's completely opposite of the teachings of Scripture, completely opposite. It is shameful even to talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret. Don't don't let the secret be kept. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. That's our responsibility. That's our job, is to shine the light of truth on them. So again, expose them. Expose what's done in secret. Let the evil intentions be exposed when the light shines on the light of God's truth and so don't ever confront alone but but bring someone else with them we're, we're called to expose these things not to cover them up because there's a lot of truth in that saying you know the cover-up is worse than the crime and uh, churches have covered up these works of darkness Christians have covered up people that, that have been put on a pedestal this kind of stuff has been covered up and it always makes it worse not better Scripture says don't cover it up, expose them. Sixth thing is this that the Bible talks about abuse. Begin the healing process. Begin the healing process. And I love this. I found in in, in Job, it talks about, just really outlines this healing process. Job chapter 11. Let's read it and then I'll just go back and kind of unpack it a little bit. Job chapter 11, verse 13 and 17. Put your heart right, reach out to God, put away any evil and wrong from your home, then face the world again, firm and courageous. It goes on and it says, then all your troubles will fade from your memory. Those that have been abused are saying, I want that so bad, just to fade from my memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Your life will be brighter than sunshine at noon and, it's, and life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. That's the hope that is yours and mine through Jesus Christ, through the power of God, that, that it'll just fade, uh, our memory will fade like floods that are past remembered no more. Your life will be brighter than sunshine at noon and life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. That's the hope. I wanna go back to that process. We could go back to the screen right before. Look at this three steps just right here. Amazing how clear the scripture is. We're reading it in the Good News Translation. Put your heart right. That's step number one. Put your heart right. Get your heart in the right place. Put your heart in the hands of God. Put your heart in the hands of God. If you've been abused, if you have abused, get your heart right. Reach out to God. Reach out to him. God, here's my heart. Here's the mess. God, I've got a real problem. I've got a serious problem here. You know, let me just say this. I'm a little old school when it comes to this stuff. A man that'll put his hands on a woman and harm her or a child I've got, God's got a lot of mercy. I've got, I don't have so much mercy for a man like that. That's why you need to go to God. 
You need to go to God. Like I said, I'm just a little old school like that. Pray for your pastor. Put your heart right. Reach out to God. I'm not talking about those that have suffered abuse. I'm talking about the abusers as well. Reach out to God. Here's the third thing. Put away any evil and wrong from your home. Now here's the awful thing. This is why this is so important. Statistics say, particularly with children, those children that were physically abused, statistics say, are more likely to grow up and abuse other people. That's why it's so important that not only that we, we do this as adults, but we lead our family in this. That, that we put these things away because we don't want it just coming down the family tree generation after generation after generation after generation. Put your heart right. Reach out to God. Put away any evil and wrong from your home. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. And after those three steps that we just looked at, let's, let's go to the next slide and let's just see again, this is what the end is. This is why we do this. This is why it's so important to put your heart right, reach out to God, put away any evil and wrong from your home. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Your life will be brighter than sunshine at noon and life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. And maybe you're here online or at our online campus or, or um, Poughkeepsie campus and you, you know uh, you haven't been abused but you know someone who has well man this is right here in Job chapter 11 verse 13 and 17 this is a great three step process that's outlined in scripture that you can just encourage your friend who suffered still feeling the pain the weight of that day after day just slowly walking out of it put your heart right reach out to God Put away any evil and wrong in your home. Then your darkest hours will shine like the dawn. Your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are remembered no more. And so just a quick review. Number one, don't keep it a secret. Number two, name it. Number three, don't minimize it. Number four, find a safe place. Number five, don't confront the abuser alone. Number six, begin the healing process. Take that first step. And now number seven, and this is so critically important. Let God settle the score. Let God settle the score. See, when something bad happens, when you're you're being abused, when when someone physically assaults you or there's violence, when, when someone's wronging you in that sense, physically or even emotionally, verbal, whatever it is, let God settle the score. We have three options. We have three choices that we can make when we've been wrong. Number one is uh, they've abused us like the abusers right here, and, and we, can, we can go beneath them. We, we can even, well, <laughs> you did that to me, watch what I do to you. And that's, we, we lower ourselves to even below them. Or we're like, all right, eye for an eye, man, I'm going to take it out on you. I'm going to do exactly the same. Or then there's a third choice. The abusers, we can be better. We, we, we can be above them and show that we're better than they are. And that's what God really wants you and I to do. Beneath, beside, or better. This is God's choice right here. Put it in his hands. But every time someone's abused, we have this choice on how to respond. Am I going to be even lower than them? Am I going to be on their level? 
Or am I going to show I'm the better person? I'm bigger than they are. Let God settle the score. First Peter chapter 3, verse 9, says, Never repay one wrong with another. That word never is pretty interesting in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek. You know what that word never means? Never. That's what it means. Never. Never. Never repay one wrong with another or one abusive word with another. Well, because you said this to me, man, I am just letting it rip. No, don't do that. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. Never repay one, one wrong uh, with another or one abusive word with another. Instead, what? Repay with a blessing. Jesus put it this way. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. Repay with a blessing. Peter's picking up on the same idea. That is what you're called to do so that you will inherit a blessing. So if you're being verbally abused, what, what, what's the response? Just, just, just to rip that person up one side and down the other? No. Bless them and pray for them. That's what, as a Christian, our response is supposed to be. And God blesses us. God blesses us in response. Don't take matters into your own hands. Let God settle the score. See, here's the reason why. God knows what it's like to be abused. Jesus Christ was abused. He knows what it's like to be the victim, victimized. He knows the pain. He knows the physical pain. He knows the emotional pain. He knows the weight of that. Jesus Christ was abused for you and for me. He knows the pain. It's not just sympathy. It's not empathy. He knows. He's felt it. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 talks about what Jesus Christ went through. He was wounded, and he was bruised for our sins. Greg's sin, Greg Williamson's sin, caused Jesus physical pain. Every one of us. Our sin abused Jesus. He was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was lashed and we were healed. Jesus paid the price for your physical pain and abuse. Jesus paid the price in his body that my sin cost and he wants to bring you healing and he did it all to bring you healing from your pain and from your suffering and from your abuse I I think it's so important sometimes it's tragic and it's painful to even talk about these things study these things for hours and hours and hours in preparation. But I think it's so important that we never believe the lie that God doesn't care. That that God's too busy. Nothing is further from the truth. 
He was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was lashed so that we would be healed. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Bible says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He's close to you. He's close to you right now. He's closer to you than the person sitting next to you. He's closer to you if you're watching this on our online campus and your, your dog is in your lap. He's closer to you than that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And, and if you don't hear anything else in this, this message, home alone about domestic violence, please hear this. Jesus Christ wants to heal your hurt. He's close to you. Open your heart to him. He wants to rescue you from your crushed spirit and from the pain. And all those memories and the toll that is taken on you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he rescues those whose spirits have been crushed. Jesus sets us the example. He was the victim. He was abused. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says. Christ never verbally abused those who verbally abused him. That's our example. When he suffered, he didn't make any threats, but he left everything to the one who judges fairly. Let God settle the score. Now, now listen, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't, there shouldn't be prosecution for crime. There should be, absolutely. But ultimately, even when there's crime committed and there's prosecution and penalty, God still says, I'm gonna settle the score too. I'm gonna settle the score too. So let God settle the score. What's, What's our job is to be like Jesus Christ as followers of Christ, follow his example, by his power, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and through our lives, Christ never verbally abused those who verbally abused him. He never did. He didn't say a word. He didn't even respond. When he suffered, he didn't make any threats but left everything to the one who judges fairly. And so what I want to do right now, I I just want to pray. And I want to pray first of all for those that have suffered physical, emotional, verbal abuse. And, and then I want to pray uh, for the rest that, that we would, there would be an increased compassion. We talked about that in week one, the difference between sympathy and empathy and compassion. Sympathy is I'm sorry for your pain. Empathy is I, 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 I feel the pain that you feel. Compassion is I'll do whatever it takes to make the pain stop that we would be full of compassion, the compassion of Jesus Christ for those who have suffered and get them help and be the help that they need. And then the third group that I want to just pray for and give opportunity 
two is if you've, if you've never opened your heart up to Jesus Christ before, he, he was abused for you to, to take the penalty that every one of us, our personal sins required. Jesus took them on the cross. That's why he came. He lived this sinless life and he laid his life down as a sacrifice and he took the beating and the scourging and the crown of thorns and the crucifixion for your, for, so that you would be forgiven and I would be forgiven of our personal sins. Not only the things that were done to us, but the things that we did as well, we've done as well. And he rose again three days later. And so that has been paid in full because of what he suffered. And so I just want to lead in a prayer. If you've you've never just received Christ and opened your heart up to him, that you can do that right now. So I'm going to ask, would you just bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that even this topic of abuse is not one that the scripture is silent on. Thank you, Lord, for your word that speaks to every issue of life, every single issue of life, even in the 21st century. And Father, first of all, I I just pray for those that have suffered the, the pain, physical, emotional, mental anguish of abuse. Father, I pray, Lord, that your word would, even as we've looked today, would begin to would begin to bring hope, Lord. Knowing that Jesus was wounded and he was bruised as well. He was beaten and he was lashed. And he's the one who wants to rescue those that have suffered this way. And Father, I also pray for those of us that want to help. Lord, that it would be more than just sympathy or empathy, but we would have real compassion on those around us, those statistics, those so close to us. Every one of us has been touched, knows someone or many, many people who have suffered abuse. Lord, that that we would have compassion, do what we need to, whatever we can to make the pain stop, to make it go away, to get the help and to be the help that they so desperately need. Father, I just pray also for anyone and everyone hearing in my voice right now, Lord, that has not opened their heart up to you, knowing that you're the one that ultimately can heal us, that judges fairly. And so, God, I pray that this would be a moment of saving faith and rescue as men and women and young people put their life in your hands for the first time. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now if you've never prayed and done that before. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So I want to just lead you in a prayer right now that you can repeat after me. If you've never done that, to place your life in those nail-scarred hands. He went through what he went through. Jesus suffered what he did to take away your pain take away your shame to take away your hurt and to bring you new life and so just repeat this prayer after me right now if you've never placed your life in his hands heavenly father forgive me of my sins 
I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for suffering for me, for taking my pain and my shame. I place my life and my heart in your hands. I turn from my sins and I choose to follow you today. Jesus, lead me, guide me, direct me from this day forward. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you. 